Hey everyone, welcome to Weapons of Righteousness Ministries, our online Bible study. This is episode 26 of this online study. Thank you for joining us. If you didn't watch the last episode, we've been talking about standing, established in the truth. And we, we, we're at Ephesians 6, verse 14, and so we're studying where Paul is exhorting the church in Ephesus to stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And I shared with you in the previous episode the testimony of uh, the boat that I purchased in order to fix up and sell, and uh, just the, the things that came against me during that purchase and during the process of fixing it up and getting it ready to sell and, and the money that I had invested into it and how, how there were a lot of things that looked contrary to, uh, to what the Lord had put on my heart as the sale price for that boat. You know, I asked the Lord how much to sell it for and he told me to, uh, he gave Sherry and I a piece about $15,000. And that's what we were standing on. But for the four months that we worked on that boat and that we got that boat ready for sale, there were things, there was doubts, there was circumstances that came to try to steal that word from us. But we stood firm on the word of God and what God's word says about provision, about prosperity, about the blessing of God over those who, uh, who follow him, who are his children. And uh, we stood on those things and we confessed them with our mouth and God was faithful to fulfill his promise. And we did make money off the sale of that boat and we sold it exactly for $15,000. And so we moved on from there to talking about, uh, about verses 11, 13, and 14 where Paul uses three different forms of the word stand. In the English uh, language, it's the same word, stand. But according to the Greek lexicon, each of those words in those different verses for stand mean slightly different times when to stand. And so we covered in, in, in Ephesians 6.11 that that word stand is referring to standing in the midst of a battle. Standing when you're face to face with the enemy, when you're fully engaged in battle, Paul's encouraging them to stand. And it's interesting that he uses this term for stand being face to face with the enemy in full combat when he's talking about the wiles of the devil those deceptions those schemes those tactics that the enemy throws at us in order to get us to stumble and to fall and to crumble under the pressure the lies of the devil he's telling us to stand on the truth in the face of a lie in the face of contrary circumstances in the face of a doctor's report in the face of your bank account in the face of of your spouse leaving you what are you going to be standing on are you going to be standing on the rock or are you going to be standing on the sand and then we move on to uh, verse 13 where not only does Paul exhort us to stand when we're face to face in the midst of the battle fighting, he exhorts us to stand when we've obtained victory over that battle. Stand when we've taken ground and we've vanquished our foe. He's saying you need to continue to stand even after you've obtained the victory so that you hold the ground that you fought for, that you hold the ground 
that you've obtained through standing in the midst of the battle. The temptation is, once you win the battle, once you vanquish the enemy, once you stand and God's promise is fulfilled in your life, and you've, you've rejected all the lies, you've overcome the doubt through the power of the truth of God's Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you've seen, you've obtained the victory, whether it's over sickness or poverty, you need to stand to hold that victory, to hold the ground that you've taken, because the enemy is, he's a thief. The enemy is going to come against you again to steal, kill, and destroy whatever word you are standing on. He wants to take back the ground that you took. He wants to take back the ground that the kingdom of God took. It's not just you taking, it's, it's you're taking ground for the kingdom of God. So Paul is saying you need to stand even in the victory. Don't get relaxed. Don't take off your weapons. Don't sit on the ground and go to sleep. Don't take your eyes off of the truth you're standing on. He's saying when you do that, if you do that, you are going to fall. You are going to lose the ground that you've taken. He's saying you stand in the midst of the battle and you stand even in victory. You continue to stand. And then we move on to verse 14, which is where we're at in this study. Stand therefore, having girded your loins, or having your loins girt about with truth. Now this is the King James Version. I'm going to explain what he's talking about when he's referring to girding your loins with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. So that word stand there means being ready or prepared. Are you noticing a, a cycle here? So Paul is saying that we need to be standing prepared for the battle even when there is no battle. We need to be standing when we're in the midst of the battle. And we need to be standing when we vanquished our foe and we've obtained, and we're walking in the victory. We've obtained the victory. This is a constant cycle where Paul never once says to stop standing. There's not one part in these verses where Paul says, yeah, it's okay now. Spiritually, you can just check out. Now you can go and fill yourself with the news. You can go and fill yourself with the world. You can go and fill yourself with whatever junk, whatever movies you want to fill yourself with because you've obtained the victory. You've won it. Now, our victory is in Jesus Christ. In our spirits, we have the victory. But in this world, we will have tribulation. We will have persecution. That's what Jesus said. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Our peace, our victory is in Christ, in our born-again spirits. But we still live in a body and we have a soul. And the soul is the battleground where this rages, where the battle rages, where the enemy comes against you. This is the battleground, which is your mind, will, and emotions. This is the battle taking place, the battle raging between your ears. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to continue to say it. The battle that we are fighting is not against flesh and blood. Now it might manifest in this world as flesh and blood, but the root source of the enemy that we're wrestling with, the root source 
of what's coming against us is not flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our soul is where we put on the armor of God. And our soul consists of our heart, not our physical blood-pumping heart. This is our, uh, where our spirit and our soul connect. It's our heart, the mind, will, and emotions of a believer. The heart is where the, the, the Christian, the follower of Jesus, determines what they believe is truth. The power to believe is contained in our souls and our mind, will, and emotions. So this is not a one-time event. This is something that through your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, from the time you're born again to the time that you die and you are with Jesus in heaven. As long as you're in this body, this is the cycle of a believer. We are warriors here on earth. We are, we are not of this world. Once you are born again, this world is not your home. You don't serve the God of this world. You become an alien of this world. For you are born again after Jesus Christ. Your home is with Christ. You are seated. Your spirit, man, is seated in heavenly places with Christ. Excuse me. So your entire walk with the Lord, from the time you're born again to the time that you die, you are in the midst of a war that is raging for the souls of mankind. In fact, when you became born, when you, when you were born again after Christ, you were born for battle. You, were, you, you had immediately available to you the armor of God. You had the sword of the Spirit. You had the weapons of our warfare needed to take thoughts captive and bring him into submission to Jesus Christ. You had the authority of Jesus Christ, his name, to use and speak out of your mouth. You had the same power that rose Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that power, you are inviting that power to move and fill your inner being, your, your, your body, your soul. You are asking the Holy Spirit, come and invade my soul, fill me from the inside out, baptize me with fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you are equipping yourself and preparing yourself for battle. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But if you were to compare this word stand, being, being ready or prepared for battle, if you were to compare it to boot camp or police academy, you know, I've been to two academies at the, at the same place, just two different times. And the whole purpose of going to police academy is to prepare you for when you're out on the road. To prepare you on how to fight if enemies come against you during the midst of your job. 
how to how to enforce the law legally how to do your job correctly how to walk in victory throughout the midst of this job having a successful career that is the purpose of boot camp that's the purpose of, of police academy is to lay the foundation of everything necessary to have a successful career whether it's in the military or in law enforcement you know if you're even working in the secular world and you're working within a business there's always continual training that you must go through that takes place in order for you to prepare for future challenges within your job if you go to a company and they have no continual training they have nothing prepared for you in order to grow in your job in order, order for you to to move up to to fill other roles and other positions I probably would not go to a job like that because you're gonna remain the same at that job and if something new gets thrown at you and they haven't trained you for it you're gonna fail So Paul is stating that just like a soldier continually trains during peacetime to prepare for wartime, we as soldiers in the Lord's army should be doing the same thing. When everything is going great, when there's no battles to fight, everybody's healthy, you've got more than enough money coming in, you're, you're comfortable. That is the most dangerous time for a believer, is when they're comfortable. When they don't have to fight when they don't have to grow if you think of David King David got in trouble with Bathsheba because he was comfortable he had men going out and fighting for him he was supposed to be with those men on the battlefield and yet he was at home waking up in the evening time which means he slept all day walking out onto his porch and he saw Bathsheba bathing he was comfortable and when he was comfortable, the attack came when he least expected it, and he fell. And great was that destruction when he fell. You know, it makes me think of the, the parable that Jesus told of the wise man and the foolish man. You know, in order to stand in all three of these areas that I've mentioned, standing before the battle, prepared for it, standing in the midst of the battle when you're in facing the enemy, when you're in combat, and standing in victory when you've obtained the victory, when you've obtained, when you vanquish the enemy, standing, holding your ground, in order to, in order to, to have success in all of these areas, we must have prepared the correct foundation to stand on. Because you can say I'm standing, but if you're standing on quicksand, you're not going to be standing very long. If you're standing in the mud, you're going to fall pretty quickly. If you're standing on the ice, it doesn't take much for someone to make you slip. If you're standing on gravel, that gravel is going to give away in one area or the other, and you're going to stumble and fall. There's only one place that you can trust to stand on and that's on the rock of Jesus Christ Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7 24 through 29 you can look that up on your own or Luke the same, the same thing is said just a, a little bit different Luke 6 46 through 49 
Now, in fact, I'm going to, I am going to read that real quick. So Matthew 7, 24 through 29, Jesus says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Let's go to Luke. Luke six forty six through forty nine. Listen to how how Luke uh, documents what Jesus said. So Luke says in uh, writes in verse forty six. This is the words of Jesus. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. You know, if we look back at King David, what was the result of his decision when he wasn't standing in the victory? When he wasn't standing prepared during peacetime? When he got comfortable, when he got relaxed, when he took his eyes off of the one who had exalted him to the position that he was in? You know, Israel was winning every battle. Israel, the nation of Israel was growing and prospering and they were taking territories and land. And King David decided to stay back, stay back in the palace when the time for kings to go out to battle was at hand. And he had Joab fighting his battles for him. And he was sitting relaxed in the palace, sleeping during the day. And when he woke up in the evening, he goes outside, sees Bathsheba, and commits adultery with her. And look at the destruction that happened as a result of that decision. This is why Jesus said, and the ruin of that house was great. That one decision caused, caused the life of Uriah, caused the death of his child with Bathsheba, caused his children to end up killing each other later on in life, caused his child Absalom to, to turn against him and try to kill him. That one, the great was the ruin of the man whose foundation was on the sand. And we have that choice, guys. We have the choice on what we are going to stand on. And that's a moment-by-moment moment choice. Are we going to stand on the rock of Jesus or are we going to stand on the sand? The wise man dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And we know that our rock is Jesus Christ. Jesus is referred to as the rock many times in Scripture. 
I want you to listen to what, what Jesus said the wise man did. The wise man came to Jesus, heard Jesus, and this is key, guys. He did what Jesus said. When the floods rose and beat against that house, it could not be moved or shaken because it was standing on the rock. The house was built. The foundation of, that house, of the house was on the rock. But listen to the foolish man. What did the foolish man do? He built his house upon the earth, upon the sand. He came to Jesus as well. He heard Jesus. He heard the same thing that the wise man heard. But here's the difference. He did not do what Jesus said. Guys, we are called to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. If you are not doing what Jesus has said to do in his word, you will stumble and fall. The main difference between the wise man and the foolish man is the wise man actually believed the words that he was hearing enough to where he acted on them. Faith without works is dead. So you can say all you want. I believe in this. I believe in that. I'm a follower of Jesus. But if your life is contradictory to what you're saying you believe in, or you're not doing, your belief in what you're hearing isn't moving you to act on it, then you're like the foolish man. And believe me, I've been the foolish man before, and it's a decision that must be made every day. Am I going to do what I'm hearing Jesus tell me to do? Or am I going to do what I want to do? What I believe is wisdom. Am I going to give the amount that Jesus puts in my heart to sow into the kingdom of God at my church? Or am I going to give what I feel comfortable with giving? Am I going to go and lay hands on that person that's sick over there because Jesus said that we will lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Or am I going to say, ah, I don't want to get embarrassed. Guys, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect. I have been the foolish man before. I have chosen to hear the voice of Jesus and choose my own way. And you know what? That's never, that never works out. But I thank the Lord for His grace. God's grace is sufficient. When we turn and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for being foolish. I'm sorry for choosing our own way. I'm sorry that I feared man over fearing God. I'm sorry for missing that opportunity to witness to that person. God is faithful to forgive. God is faithful to give you another opportunity. So I praise Jesus for that, and I hope you do as well. Does the Word of God move you to act on it? Faith is an action. Standing is an action. Whether we stand or fall in the midst of the battle is solely conditional to our relationship with God's Word. Now you could say the first step is, do you know the Word of God? Do you know what God says about the situation you're going through right now? What does God's Word say about finances? What does his, his Word say about sickness? What does His Word say about anxiety or complaining or depression or addiction? What does His Word say about those things? you got to know what He says about it. you got to come to Jesus, hear Jesus, know what He says about it, and then you've got to do what Jesus tells you to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through the strength of your flesh. 
This is a continual cycle in a Christian's life where we must be standing at all times and standing on Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We must stand on the truth of Jesus Christ and what his word says. Because in John 16:33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say you might have tribulation. He didn't say watch out for tribulation. This could potentially happen to you. No, he said that you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. According to Matthew 13:21 and Mark 4:17, Jesus says that persecution and tribulation will arise because of the word in order to get you to stumble from the foundation you're standing on. As soon as you stand against that attack on the word of God, the enemy is going to come with persecution and tribulation to try and get you to stumble off that word, fall off the rock that you're standing on. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul says to Timothy, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not suffering any type of persecution from people or for how you're living, and I'm not saying you desire persecution. I'm not saying that you, that you go out of your way to try to make people feel uncomfortable. I mean, you... You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, but people around you should know that you are a follower of Jesus. People around you should know whom you serve. People you work with should feel uncomfortable around you to cuss, to talk dirty. You know, people around you should see a difference on the inside of you. You know, I want people, every person that I meet, I want them to know whom I serve. I want them to, to see the light on the inside of me. And it's up to them what they do with that light. If they want to persecute me for it, if they want to make fun of me for it, if they want to talk bad about me behind my back, then so be it. I'm not saying I desire persecution or we should desire persecution, but all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer some form of persecution. Let's move on from there. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. I think we're going to um, we'll continue the rest in the next video. I'm going to move on from here. I'm, I'm going to give you a biblical example of, in the Old Testament, King Jehoshaphat standing on the word of God in the midst of an enemy coming against him and what the result of that was. And we're going to move from there and we're going to talk about where this battle rages, which I've already mentioned here briefly. And then we're going to move on how we are to stand. And, uh, and then we'll conclude after that. So thank you for listening. And I hope you tune in to our next episode, episode 27, which will continue this series and most likely finish it. All right, have a great day.